to the One Link Podcast. I'm Brad, and I'm joined again by James. How are you doing, James? I'm doing good. If I was any better, I'd be twins. How are you this morning? <laughs> I'm doing good. Oh, I have twins, so I'm, I'm doing twins all the time, and, but I'm doing good, and uh, yeah, excited about our conversation today. Yeah, I am too. Uh, we're going to continue our, our conversation about working with Muslims, and uh, and I hope that as we as we do this, one, it touches our own lives, and two, I hope that even if you don't work with Muslims, that it's that you see things, that you see truths in how you work with people and how you adapt uh, to your situation. Uh, so jumping in with Muslims, Muslims are, are such an interesting people, uh, religious group from an American context, because we have such mixed, um, we have such strong emotions in regard to them. And we have uh, different media presentations of them. Uh, today, we thought we might talk a little bit about uh, stereotypes, um, both their stereotypes of us, our stereotypes of them, and how we overcome those. But before we jump into that, let's just talk a little bit. Brad, what are some of the benefits of working with Muslims? Yeah, well, let me back it up just a little bit, James. Uh, I think it's interesting to think about some of the the history of of uh, Americans' views and interaction with Muslims that kind of lead, maybe will lead to your question, uh, particularly for our viewers or not our viewers, our listeners <laughs> who are. Um, uh, but if you have, they were viewing us, James, this might be a little different. They'd <laughs> they might want to turn their screens off, but hopefully our voices are okay. Um, but our listeners who are maybe under thirty or certainly under twenty five who have most, most of their memories kind of post 9-11, you know, we have to remember that before that moment, we Americans thought very little about Muslims. They just weren't on our radar at all. I can, you know, I can remember um, when I first was signing up to go work with the Muslim people group, this is 2001, but in the spring mm-hmm. time before mm-hmm. 9-11 happened. And I was just like, boy, I, I don't know anything about Muslims. I, you know, I was having to, this is before I was using Google. So whatever I was doing before, but looking at the, the encyclopedia. And, <laughs> it may have been, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, and, you know, people just weren't talking about Muslims. And then all of a sudden, you know, several months later, there's just radical change. And, and we begin to develop uh, all these ideas and misconceptions and, and good things as well. Suddenly you hear people talking about wanting to reach Muslims with the gospel and going to the Muslim world. So it's, there's been a, a lot of change that's happened in the last 20 plus years. Hmm. And so I think that's worth noting. Um, I mean, the benefits is that uh, much of the unreached world is, you know, in that, in, in this Muslim kind of corridor across the Middle East uh into South Asia and North Africa, a lot of unreached people groups in that area. Um, and, and I think, you know, seeing God work among them, it's just, it's been an exciting part of my story of doing ministry. And so uh, seeing lives transform, seeing people go from this, just, I'm going to earn it. I'm going to, you know, just follow these traditions. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe Allah will accept me into seeing just the power of grace and love and, uh, that kind of transformation. So, you know, if I guess those would be benefits, I, I think there's, mm-hmm. there's much to be seen in, in God's work in the Muslim world. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so 
you know, there's a lot of things, I guess, what are, what are our, let's start, what, what are their stereotypes of us? Cause there's some, I don't know which stereotype to start with, but there's, there's barriers, if you will. And one of them being, being our stereotypes. Uh, and in asking us, I guess let's start their stereotypes of us because what, what would like, we were, they were really weren't on our radar until nine 11. Were we on their radar? I think probably more so there's, there's great diversity across the Muslim world. So I don't know that I can represent what every, um, you know, part of the Muslim world or even every individual person would think, but there was certainly much more um, awareness of uh, Western, you know, desire to control parts of the Middle East. Uh, that was certainly on their radar much, you know, way before we were thinking much about them. Uh, some of these things even go back to the Crusades and and some of the ways that some of the conflict between Christians and Muslims uh, was definitely on its radar, on their radar. And this is some of the seeds that have, you know, created a lot of this uh, anti-American, anti-Western, or even anti-Christian feelings among some Muslims. Though I think again, there's great diversity there, uh, which we'll, we'll I think we'll get to that. But I think we often see the Muslim world as very monolithic. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of this way. And that's absolutely not the case. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, what are some of their stereotypes of us when they think of us, us as Americans, us as American Christians? Mm-hmm. Certainly the one I would come across often was a, a sense that we're a bit loose morally, that we're not, you know, that we, uh, of course, they they see a lot of TV shows and movies and uh you know, Baywatch and some of these shows that we all cringe about thinking about that uh, they, that's been for a lot of people, that's what they've seen. And so they assume that, uh, you know, people are just sleeping with whoever they want to. And, and there's uh, very loose morality. I would have friends would say, well, Christianity is really easy. You guys can kind of do whatever you want. You know, there's no, we have to really follow. We have to pray five times a day and we have to, um, you know, follow the dietary restrictions and things like that, but you guys can just do whatever you want. And, you know, just call that Christianity. And so, you know, some of that was built into this very works oriented mentality. So it wasn't good, but some of it was just misconception that they, and actually some of it was true. If we're honest with ourselves, I mean, I think we all see some of the, the immorality of Western world, which they equate all that as Christian. It's obviously we would distinguish the two that, you know, we would, you can be, you yeah. can be an American and you can be a Westerner and all these things and not, not truly be walking with Jesus. Yeah, that's true. Although there's also the point of like, even inside our churches, you know, like there's, there's sin in the camp. Um, mm. I was at a, a deal where some, uh, that brought in some, some Vietnamese police uh, with the hope of presenting to Asian students, mostly um, just about, safety on campus here in the States. And uh, one of the girls that was helping us was commenting. she went to a Christian university, but like those things were still happening there too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and maybe they, they weren't really Christians. But anyway, we have to, we, we do have to make sure that one's not true that we aren't being loose with our morals. Um, Cause it, mm-hmm. it definitely hits what other stereotypes. Well, on a similar wavelength, sort of the modesty element to it, we, we, what in some cases, I think in our culture is just being very casual. We've developed extremely casual culture here in America, both with how we greet people, with how we treat people who are older and authority. 
how we dress. We tend to dress very casually. Um, you know, they would would look at us coming in with our shorts and our tank tops and flip flops, and you know, the, to them that that's immodest. So that that's another one. And there's what we can get a little more into the nitty gritty of this as we go. But certainly, what our religious views are. Um, there's some some great confusion on that uh you know sort of this idea of jesus as son of god we talked about in a previous episode um that we somehow believe that god and mary had a physical relationship and had a biological son and some of these things or that we um we believe in multiple gods you know what, what what's that all about um it, it's funny the I think a lot of the things that at least the people group I worked with, a lot of things they had seen about Christianity were really about Catholicism. Mm. And so they would always ask me sort of the praying, you know, kind of making the sign of the cross. Mm -hmm. Um, They assumed that was something all Christians did. And, and they had this whole story for what they thought that meant, which was Mm. almost comical. uh, What was that? Well, they, part of their understanding of Jesus, that he was maybe almost crucified, like the, you know, oh. the soldiers were going to get him and he ran into this house and he was asking God to kind of take him or no, God said, you know, I'll take you up through this chimney. And uh, Jesus said, well, my head will fit, but my shoulders won't. And so that's like the the, oh. the sign of the cross is based on this <laughs> story. It was very, very strange stuff. I don't know how universally that is believed across the Muslim world, but I would hear Muslims in, in our context talk about Say it. That. So sometimes you're just trying to get move aside things that are somewhat peripheral, like what the sign of the cross means. Sometimes you're just trying to show, hey, I'm a a God fearing person. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, I'm not into this sort of loose morality religion. And then some of it is you have to deal with some some real hard substantive issues like the identity of Jesus and Mm -hmm. the scriptures and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what about what about their stereotypes of uh, our our stereotypes of them? Sorry, switching the. I think it's a huge part of Muslim work that we maybe don't talk a lot about because we're you know if you go into a, a class or some kind of training on how to reach Muslims, we're mostly going to talk about what we just talked about. You know, their stereotypes of us. How can we overcome that? But I think we have to acknowledge the fact that for the last at least twenty years or so we've constantly been inundated with these images of a certain type of Muslim, you know, the Muslim who's just working in their shop and trying to, you know, put their kids through school and do all, they don't make CNN. Mm -hmm. The Muslim that is the most extreme uh, that, you know, does some act of violence. um, That's what we're seeing a lot of. And so I think we, whether we can put our finger on it or acknowledge exactly where it is in our views, we have a, a view of Muslims that tends to be much more extreme and violent and um, hateful uh, than, than we might realize. And so you've got to overcome, you can go into it and have, yeah, I love Muslims. I want to reach Muslims. You know, you're not, you're not going into it in, in any kind of um hateful way but i think you've got to really acknowledge Mm -hmm. lord help me to overcome some of my own um stereotypes and maybe even bitterness towards some things that have happened 
mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I think it's a, it's a big step in reaching Muslims is overcoming that idea. And what I found as I spent time with people and so on and so forth, that that stereotype that I had was a very, very small minority of Muslims. Most people were just trying to get by in life, love their family, uh, you know, pay the bills, think, you know, try to make life better for their kids than they had, things like that. They were just normal people. Now they were deceived in some areas so that it wasn't just, hey, keep yeah. doing things how you are, everything's fine. We, we, we have to get to where the gospel transforms lives, but it, they weren't all these sort of jihadist mm-hmm. type people that I think we often think of. Yeah. Do you think in your observation, like people that come, new workers that come to work in Muslims, do you think areas, do you think they come with more fear maybe than somebody who's going to a Buddhist area or a Hindu area? I think so. It may depend on the personality. Some people might, there's kind of an adventure and a, you know, an allure in that sense. But I think we, there certainly is, uh, you know, when I, when I, I can remember, right after 9-11 happened, um, you know, I was still at, I was at our training getting ready to go overseas. I mean, we went overseas uh, in October of oh, that wow. year. And so all of a sudden I was getting these emails like, you're not still going, are you not going to go work with Muslims after all this? And so I think there has been a fear that's developed of, um, you know, something could happen, someone uh, even, and even some things that uh, I think are, you know, biblically not true. Like, well, those people don't want to hear that. They don't, you know, they don't care about that. And it's like, well, hopefully we believe that, you know, if Jesus is at work in the world and the Holy Spirit is at work calling people that there are those out there, mm-hmm. even among Muslims who, you know, will respond to that. So you, you get a little bit of that fear and as sort of a us versus them. Mm-hmm. I can remember another person that's almost, uh, it's almost hard for me to say this, but uh, that said, yeah, it's probably good you're going over there to convert them because otherwise we'd have to kill them. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is a guy that I was in went through Bible study with, you know, uh, he was a young believer, but uh, was a, a believer. And, and so I think that's also kind of based out of both fear and sort of an adversarial, like, a, you know, the mm-hmm. patriotism towards the, mm-hmm. the, the American, uh, you know, agenda in the world, I think can also get mixed in there. And, and I love it, you know, don't get me wrong. I love our country and I'm, uh, I'm not opposed to patriotism, but you have to really watch how it affects when you move, when you work cross-culturally. Yeah. Which kingdom are you more loyal to? Right. What's your ultimate kingdom? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about the stereotype that they oppress women? Um, Especially for our, our, female listeners who are either planning to go there or have been there. Um. Yeah, I, I think both true. And in some cases um, we have to recognize that that's a global issue. You know, you can go to Hindu peoples and Buddhist peoples and you can see uh, abuse of women, mistreatment of women, oppression of women. So I think that's a global, I mean, you, here in America, you can certainly see that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a global issue. I do think that, um, there is a, a particular weight of, uh, a particular, you, you know, we would say that men and women were, we have equal dignity, equal value above God, or I mean, and above God, God, goodness, <laughs> before God, <laughs> be careful here, James. Um, 
before God. But I think there is a, a value judgment that happens in Islam um, that you can see in certain, you know, it's almost like it's a little bit harder for women to get into heaven. And, um, you know, when you have a son, there's just greater value. So I think that is maybe not that, again, you can see that in other cultures, yeah. but uh, that's a, a particular yeah. well, um, I was thinking in Buddhism, you know, like in like if you if you do better, you get reincarnated as a man, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Buddhism, I mean, Hinduism has it. So there, generally, you can see that, but uh, maybe it, it's vi- because it's so visually clear in Islam. Sort of mm-hmm. uh, when we see women wearing burqas and some things like that, it kind of reminds us of that. Maybe it feels a little more stark, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but you certainly get that across the globe. Yeah. And do you think our, our perception of that being more strong among Muslims, is that basically come out of 9-11 and all the, all the things we saw and observed? Or like, a, oh, I don't want to just say like the media frenzy or like throw everything on the media, but like basically the images and the stories that we hear coming out of the media, like it's just portrayed more there. And so we... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think too. The, the 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 most stark, the most extreme examples are what are displayed, and there's diversity in this area. I mean, you go to some parts of the Muslim world; it's very egalitarian in how men and women interact. Um, you know, I think about uh, places like Turkey, Istanbul that I've, that I've visited, where uh, you, there's not quite like that vibe you'd get if you go to Saudi Arabia or. Uh-huh. Uh, a place where there's much more. I mean, some places sort of legally built into the the system oh. that you know women can't do this or do that. So there, mm-hmm. you know, we, we would be wrong to say, oh, it, yeah, it's all fine in that area. You know, it's it's just like it's it's not a big deal. It, it certainly is. I think there's are huge um, problems in in how women are viewed and treated, um, but I think it, it's diverse and it's. Uh, we can't just have one sort of stereotype or monolithic view of how it works in Islam. I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of different things happening. Yeah. If you were going to give us like a map of the Islamic world in terms of like, these are the areas that are really strict. These, like what, what's that look like? Mm. Oh boy, James, I don't know that I'm qualified to, to do that. Um, my experience has been more in Central Asia, so sort of mm-hmm. Turkic people groups, Persian people groups, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean some of you know certainly right now you look at Afghanistan, um, you look at countries like Saudi Arabia, you're going to have much stricter boundaries. Uh, you know, I mean, of course, in Afghanistan you've had with the Taliban no ability for women to get education. I mean, where it gets just really, really oppressive there. But in Saudi Arabia, you have more of these, you know, can they, can women drive when, you know, these, these sort of issues uh, and opportunities to be in the marketplace and work and things like that. Um, that's certainly, and then you get into other areas, um, sort of former Soviet areas um, that are Muslim, kind of Turkic people groups, Kazakhs, Kyrgyz, Uzbeks, groups like that. I think it's probably, uh, there certainly are, you know, paternalistic things going on there where, where men have a little more authority or headship, but uh, not nearly like the, mm-hmm. what you'd see maybe in the Middle East. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like Do you that. know what, like if I ask somebody from Saudi Arabia, you know, that the wife's wearing, is it the hijab or the, is that the right word? Mm-hmm. The burger. Mm-hmm. They're wearing that full face covering, head covering, like you can, you can only see their eyes. Um, like right. why, why would they say they do that? Like what, what's their side of that? I think it's primarily just other men looking at them. It's kind of a modesty thing um, that I think if you read in the scriptures, the Pharisees and their, how they began to really let's, let's put all these kind of boundaries to make sure nothing bad happens and there's no sin. There's nothing, no whatever, you know, you if you build from that mentality, you can see, well, if nobody can see me, nobody, you know, nobody's going to be, lusting after my beauty or anything like that. And so uh, in a lot of these cultures, hair is seen as very sort of sensual. And so that you, you'll see, that's why you see head covering. Um, and so it, it's kind of um, modesty slash protect being protective. And, and I think a lot of times we would say, Oh, well, that, that man must be, you know, forcing that woman to wear that. But my experience was if you would talk to them now, you know, how, as culture kind of built this into the woman's mentality. Yeah. I think that's probably likely, but the women would say, Oh no, I, I really want to wear this. Um, this is a great way to, you know, honor Allah, to be modest, to, you know, make sure that men aren't looking at me and, and things like that. So um, there's certainly buy-in a lot of times uh, across the board in that culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Much like one of our wives might, do you know they're, they're not going to dress what they consider to be immodest because it would embarrass mm-hmm. them and so they almost feel that same way yeah i think so they just it's taken much further than we would we would take yeah, it certainly say yeah so yeah. there are cultural elements but there are you know religious elements oh, as well mm-hmm. it all mixes together so how do we how do we go about overcoming our stereotypes of them or getting past that i found for me just as i got to know people you know, that I think that's probably step one, just getting to know people, getting into their lives, um, talking to them. You see that it's kind of people are people, you know, mm-hmm. they're, um, yes, there are some people who have gotten to the place of being so deceived that they might believe in some of these more radical Islamic views. But most people, they're just, they're trying to get by in life. They, you know, they have some of the same concerns and fears, you know, family problems and issues that come up and financial issues. Those are the things that most of the Muslim world is dealing with. I think we can connect with a lot of those things. Um, and so as you get to know people, some of it is just visual, like get it, you know, adjusting to how, because we have this kind of, uh, you know, beard and turban and hijabs for the women we kind of have that view now. Certainly, that's not what all people across the Muslim world are wearing, but maybe in that culture there is a much more um, a unique look that we're not used to. And mm-hmm. so, I can remember um, my father-in-law having some conversations with him, and I think he was just being honest about his own stereotypes. He's just saying, "I just don't like the way they look." You know, he was kind mm-hmm. of trying to articulate what about it made it hard for him. And so sometimes we just have to get over that that difference in appearance because they're doing it too. You know, we show yeah. up in our je- jeans and t-shirts there. Like, wow. This isn't, this seems yeah. a little odd to me. So we, it goes both ways. Uh-huh. Yeah. 
It's true. Um, how do we help them overcome their stereotypes of us? I mean, like if you're going to go there, how do you get past, how do you get past all of that and get into the place where you can share the gospel with them in a meaningful way? I think it's the same. The opposite is true. You let them get to know you and then that begins to pull apart. Now, not all, there's some things you have to actually talk through, but Mm -hmm. um, see them seeing that you're a God fearing person and you, you know, morality is a part of your life that you're not just Mm -hmm. doing all these things they do in the movies. And then I think you begin to, there's some bridge building that I think can happen there where they see, Oh, okay. This is a respectable person. Mm-hmm. This is not, uh, you know, these weirdos that I see on TV. And so you begin to build um, connections. I think you can, you also begin to deal directly with some of these misconceptions, like uh, whatever it would be, you know, our, our view of who Jesus is that, you know, that he uh, is not a God's biological son or things related to our view of the scriptures different things like that. I think there's some, some ways to, you know, we talked about contextualization last time that you can make your, you can make kind of your uh, faith seem less foreign. There's, there's, there's some, mm-hmm. some things like when you pray together, uh, you know, there are ideas you're going to sort of fold your, do the cross, the sign of the cross <laughs> and fold your hands and do this. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think there's some ways you can remove some of those uh, just that are not biblical things. They're just Western habits or, you know, cultural things. Uh-huh. I think showing that we respect the Bible, we were pretty casual with the Bible. Now we realize that that physical book itself is not, you know, sort of, it doesn't have uh, spiritual holiness or power. It's the, the word of God, but I, how we handle that book Mm-hmm. Um, around them, I think conveys our view towards it. So sometimes people will be putting it on the floor or you're handling it very casually. You've got to show that this is a, this is a book that we value. So we would actually um, kind of wrap it in cloth. That That's one way that they would kind of with the, the Quran or other holy books, they would do that. So we would, that's another way we kind of build bridges and we, we wouldn't leave it sitting on the floor. We wouldn't write in it, kind of making notes or highlights. Oh. Mm-hmm. Those are all little, I think, bridging things we can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a friend that uh, this was in college, but he had a separate Bible that he would take when he was talking with Muslims um, for that reason. Like the old, if you ever seen this on a church sign somewhere, you know, Bibles that are worn out are usually owned by Christians who are not. Um, it's kind of like, kind of like the opposite of that. You know, like we want, we want someone that's like dug in and notes and my Bible's worn because it's been handled a million times. Um, mm-hmm. Or for them, maybe that looks like we just don't honor it. Mm-hmm. What about, do, you, do you change the way you dressed? Dress a little yeah, sharper? I would, I would. I would certainly, yeah, dress a little more professionally, less casual. So I would wear slacks. Uh, this will be different in every context. There's some mm-hmm. some context you might wear, uh, you know, what they call it the shower kameez, which is kind of more the those longer. Uh, I don't even know how to like describe flowing. it. Uh-huh. Yeah, <laughs> what you would see a little more Afghanistan, Pakistan, places like that. Um, in our context, men just tended to wear. They would dress very professionally. They have slacks and belts and button-up shirts mm-hmm. and you know, they they were just had a lot of attention to that, like make sure their shoes were shine, and so I would I would dress like that uh, just to again it kind of reduces some of the alien factor. Um, mm-hmm. 
uh, women's dress was much more diverse. You, you would have some women who would wear uh, not, no, you know, kind of dress in uh, more, a little more Western style, even on you know campus and stuff, wearing pants and things like that. And other women would wear dresses, but no head coverings. Some would wear head coverings. And then you'd all the way to, you know, very conservative hijab and all you can see is their eyes. So we, we kind of struck maybe a middle ground on that. Um, so in, there was some kind of village context where uh, my wife would wear, has some head covering. Uh, beyond that, she would usually just try to dress, you know, in, in more conservative dresses and things like that, just to mm-hmm. reduce that stereotype. Yeah. Yeah. That's excellent. It's kind of amazing how many stereotypes we have and we don't really know them sometimes until we like run smack dab into them. But I feel like all of our stereotypes have to be submitted to God. Sometimes we can hold on to those. It it becomes a value of who we are, who we think they are, which affects who we think we are. And all of those needs surrendered to God. I think what we're going to jump into on our next podcast is, is different approaches for how we, how we reach Muslims and kind of, I'm not going to say once you overcome your stereotypes, but as you overcome your stereotypes, you know, how are you going to approach this work? Um, So tune in with us next time and we will, uh, we'll dive deeper, deeper into that topic. Sounds good, James. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks. You guys have a great day. See you next time.